Well, I think we learned a valuable lesson after that West Brom game, Rich. What is that valuable lesson we've learned? Well, technically it is beforehand, because we said, yeah, we'll do an episode after the West Brom game, and then the West Brom game happened, and then we instantly regretted that decision. Yeah, we did. It, it wasn't the best. But fortunately, things have taken a turn for the better. Have they, though, Rich? But that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah, they kind <laughs> of have. Everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Red Voices. Pleasure to have you here with us. You've got me, you and Lennox and him, Richard Can, to discuss three games over the course of the last week. The deeply disappointing one-all draw with West Brom at the Hawthorns. This midweek wonderment in Italy, where United somehow routed Real Sociedad 4-0 in the Europa League. And this evening's 3-1 victory over Newcastle United in the Premier League. But before we get on to all that, Rich, how's tricks? Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, how are you? Um, well, I, I feel like I've been vomited on by football today. I watched all four league games back to back. Yeah, so, me too. Uh, yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I learned much of anything new about the teams that I watched. Leicester can score some good goals and are very good when pressing. Uh, City are just ridiculous and even they can win without playing particularly well at all. And United's defence is still not great and we've got some really good players who'll score some good goals for us. So go figure. There you go. Yep, all these things are true. All, all I can say oh, is, and watching Mourinho lose is still fun. It's increasingly fun, isn't it? Um, I believe oh. I believe that that's now only 12 points from the last 36. Which, oh my goodness. Which is, I mean, I, I'm waiting with bated breath for Duncan Castles to, to dissect that on, on his pod. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... At this stage, we shouldn't get this much mirth out of it, surely. Like, Why? It's been years now. It's been two years since he left the club. But yet I still find myself with this morbid curiosity about what's going on with him and Spurs. Anyway, yeah. well, I'm, well, you know, we're getting way off track. Let, yeah, let's start over with last weekend's draw in the West Midlands. So a game like this, you know, United had recent lessons when it came to dropping points against teams in a relegation dogfight with that rubbish defeat against Sheffield United at Old Trafford just purely a few weeks ago. I'm not necessarily sure what I expected, but I definitely expected a lot more than that. A rubbish start. United conceded a terrible goal early on. Admittedly, there was a hand in Victor Lindelof's face, but... 1-1, one, one, you couldn't really take that result away from us. Well, I mean, in fact, we probably should have lost that game. Yeah, I mean, my, my my analysis of that game is different now than it was immediately afterwards. I was quite annoyed afterwards that we'd made a team that had conceded, what was it, I don't know, 18 or 20, I think it was 18 goals in the previous four games. We'd made them look incredibly comfortable at the back. But with the benefit of time, if you, if you look back at, kind of why that happened obviously there's there's the degree of performance but all four of the teams that played extra time in in the FA Cup in the week really struggled in their matches at the, at the weekend um, and I think mm-hmm. it was pretty clear that a lot of United's problems were physical in that game there wasn't the energy there that there had been that there has been at times in in recent weeks and, and as a result it just gave West Brom a bit of an in into that game. You, you, we saw Spurs and um, Everton play out in a completely balmy 120-minute game in the FA Cup that week as well. And both of them were, looked really tired at the weekend and struggled. And West Ham were, were the same. So with the, with the benefit of time, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give United a little bit of slack on that one. Uh, perhaps. I mean, definitely see where you're coming from in terms of the fatigue element, because I think that's definitely been a key element of the way the last few weeks have gone, right? And potentially how the next, uh, the upcoming couple of weeks will go. The one thing you can't necessarily defend is the Diagne goal, though. I mean, 
if we're talking no. decisions and luck going against us and not getting the correct calls, I feel like the fact that Diania had his hand across Victor Lindelof's face, it's not great. I mean, other referees might give it, but I didn't look at that headed goal and think United have been incredibly hard done by to not receive a free kick in those sort of instances. I felt that was more on Lindelof not being particularly commanding in his area and Diania getting a march on him in the box and heading in a decent goal early on. Mm. You know, I, I can't really argue with those decisions, especially because this is indicative of Lindelof's problems in front of De Gea. You know, it's nothing new. No, it's not. I think I think that that looking back at it, it probably was a foul and probably should have been a foul. But as you say, Lindelof is a, is a centre back who doesn't have any outstanding qualities. He's not good at anything in particular. And you, we can look at Maguire and say, well, he's got some clear deficiencies, but he's also got some things that he does well. And I don't think Lindelof has any qualities or anything that he does well. And one of his problems, apart from, I don't think, being aware enough to danger is just simply not being aggressive and physical enough. And I don't believe for a minute that if it had been Maguire or by facing that challenge, I don't believe that they'd have scored. You know, Maguire would have just piled through everything, including the player, and by would have done some sort of somersault in midair and crane kicked it away or something similar you know what i mean don't you you know yeah yeah of course some madness would have occurred he would have gotten rid of it yeah whereas lindelof lindelof's just too easily bullied by by strikers um and it's an it's an ongoing problem we could talk about lindelof again later with regards to the newcastle game but united are suffering for i think his his repeated selection in um certain games um along with a certain goalkeeper who we'll discuss perhaps later. Yeah, maybe we'll come to that when we uh, dissect the Newcastle goal this evening. But I, I guess the in terms of going back to the thing you mentioned in terms of United's fatigue at the minute and the fact that they just look a bit razzed in the face of having played extra time, what, three, four days earlier, you know, two hours of football in which United really tried their best to do pretty much nothing. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't necessarily a balls-out performance, but I guess just playing that much football and for that long on an evening is just, it just drains you out. And I think in particular you saw in the second half, and because we sent some excellent balls across the six-yard box in, in the second period, but no one got on the end of them. No one was making those runs. Cavani wasn't, Martial wasn't. Rashford wasn't necessarily doing so either, and it, it was a real struggle to try and find an opening in that second half, and it didn't look like we were going to score. I mean, sod's law that, you know, it it, it it takes a Sam Johnston wonder save in the dying embers of the game from Maguire with an excellent header going into the top corner to stop us from winning the game. But I think it would have been hard done by on West Brom. You know, Bruno does excellently to equalise. It's a lovely spinning shot from Shaw's cross in the end of the first half, which we needed. You know, we were struggling to create. We had a lot of the ball, but weren't doing a lot with it. And in the second half, I, you know, arguably, apart from that one Maguire head, United offered very little. West Brom looked great on the break and probably should have won it. So, you know, in the context of that game, maybe coming out of it with a point wasn't the worst result. It's just in terms of the fact that we are again dropping points to teams who are in the relegation scraps. It's just disappointing to know that we haven't, we can't rely on our quality enough when we're not at our full optimal fitness level to be able to get us through that game. And we're still not quite, well... We're not there yet in terms of being able to fully rely on our top quality players to bail us out if the team is collectively having a huge shitter. You know, we have seen on occasions we can do that and we can rely on Bruno or Rashford to pull us out, but the levels across the team were so low, it just didn't seem possible. I think that's that's the sort of game that you really you really miss Pogba as well. The kind of game where you want to have a period of 
sustained possession and in a period of probing a, a team at the back, um, and for them to be afraid of being, you know, cut apart with a, with a pass if they if they break out in, in too many numbers. I, I think there are other tactical issues with that game. I think when you start. Rashford on the right you know as we saw tonight with him playing on the left if you start Rashford on the right you lose such a lot in terms of his productivity and his output you lose that goal threat almost completely I feel for Oli in that he's trying to find a way to to rotate his forwards and to to keep them as fresh as possible and that, that they clearly are tiring but one of the wider issues with the United squad is that that a lot of the pieces that the alternative pieces don't really fit the same profile as the ones they're replacing um and so when you move players about you completely change the the balance of the team and the dynamic and the possibilities and i think it was just a, it was it was a, an element of that as well but i think mainly it was it was energy we we you know we got level from a brilliant goal we didn't really deserve and then you could see the will that was there in the second half to drive on and and get a winner but the 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 quality wasn't quite there, and the legs weren't there. There just wasn't enough, wasn't enough energy to really get about the pitch enough, and it left us very susceptible to the counters, as you said. And West Brom could have nicked it. Energy wasn't necessarily much of a problem in Turin on Thursday night. Now you no. were talking about this in terms of the fact that this was arguably the most difficult draw, certainly one of the most difficult draws United could have gotten in the round of last thirty-two for the Europa League. Yeah. So to come away in that first leg with a with four away goals i mean i i didn't foresee it being as easy as that or for real sociedad to be anywhere near as accommodating to us as that it reminded me a lot of the rb leipzig game in the champions league group stages where a team seemingly didn't take notice of our one great attribute which is playing with space and hitting teams on the counter-attack and breaking Mm. quickly and again you mentioned that you've got zero sympathy for a side that doesn't take notice of that because if you constantly give united space they are going to score on you you know we've got even if even if you're not starting what would be uh, deemed the uh, ideal forward three behind with bruno behind them there's still plenty of players who can score chances in this team. You know, Dan James proved with the fourth goal. And again tonight, if you give him space, and more often than not, he's going to hit the target. And that was a remarkable lesson and a very heartening evening in the United season. Because number one, having won 4-0, it gives United the chance to rest a few very tired legs in midweek uh, before this game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge next Sunday. And number two, it just kind of takes all the sting out of what could have been a really tricky tie. I mean, it means we could potentially see starts for likes of Amal or maybe Shora Tire. You know, it it couldn't really have gone much better, could it? No, and I think you have to you have to credit Oli and the players for that. I mean, I think that was one of the best performances United put have put in 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 the context of the opponent in the post Fergie era. I'm not, I don't know whether others will agree with that, but I've oh. I've, I've watched an awful lot of Sociedad this season. They are a really good team. Um, you know, La Liga isn't what it has been in previous years, but that, that's a really, really good team. And I think the the reason they went, they played like they did, is just simply because they've been doing so well that they've got a way of playing, and they they thought they could beat us like that. Now, that for me is naive, and Oli clearly expected them to do that, which is why he started Dan James because that is exactly the kind of game in which Dan James can be effective, where you've got. Um, a, a relatively slow back four that's going to play a high line and actually try and take the you know take the initiative in the game rather than just sitting deep and trying to counter. You know it, it suited our 
our key attacking players absolutely perfectly. But it wasn't just that. It was also it was also the fact that after that first kind of three or four minutes where we looked really shaky defensively, thereafter we you know, Bailly and Maguire had very, very good games. And that really contributed to to allowing us to to commit players forward and to to, to transition very quickly. Um, and 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 Saucy Dad just couldn't cope with the with the speed with the quality. It was just all round an absolutely exceptional performance. Yeah, I mean, I think mentioning by alongside Maguire in the centre of defence by miss well not missing today but not picked today to start alongside the captain. I, I feel better and more confident with United's ability to defend to cope with set pieces to deal with crosses when it's the three of them then in comparison with De Gea, Lindelof and Maguire you could swap yeah. one of Bailly and Henderson out and I instantly feel better it's those three players that just offer me no confidence in those situations that we're not going to concede you know we saw it again tonight and we we did have a couple of occasions in that game on Thursday where we where you know we looked a little shaky but other than that I thought we coped with the threat associate had pretty well you know especially yeah. coming into the second half where they had to come out and play more being one nil down and that obviously gave us a lot more space to work and play with but regardless I thought we moved the ball incredibly quickly and well you know Rashford could argue you've had a goal or two in that first half and a couple of disappointing finishes I'm sure he'll agree with them especially Mm. that one when Bruno set him up and he he just hit it straight at the keeper you know either side and we're looking at a different story but regardless but still you know even when Rashford misses chances like that he's still incredibly influential in terms of United's play you know it was Mm. his pass towards Bruno and two defenders go for it and the keeper and everyone misses it and Bruno taps into an empty net that was hilarious you know I've I've kind of been looking at his numbers and their numbers a that centre forward would be absolutely delighted with and I, I'm almost I'm almost loath to call him an attacking midfielder because he essentially is a second forward, isn't he? Um, in 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 the way that he plays, he he's always trying to to break the lines. He he he'll play on the shoulder of a defender at times. He's all, he reminds me a little bit in like of kind of the role that Dwight York used to play at times. And it's not obviously not quite the same, but 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 York, if you had York and Cole playing, York would drop into that space behind behind Cole. And really, kind of provide a pivot in that midfield, and then get in the box and try and score goals as well. And Bruno really does that. You know, we saw we saw tonight against Newcastle. He doesn't he doesn't come back much. Um, you know, he 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 has license. He tends to only come back if he's given the ball away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he, ha- he clearly has license to to stay up the pitch, um, and essentially at times play as a second striker um, or as a foil foil forward for for the centre forward um and and you know he he's exceptionally adept at both playing on playing on the the line of the defenders but also dropping in and and creating and and scoring from there as well so he's a really really unique and difficult player to to nullify um the one thing united have in an attacking sense now is they have lots and lots of uh, well, not lots and lots, but they have a number of players who are dangerous enough for teams to have to worry about leaving them, leaving a defender isolated against them, or leaving them space. And that's that makes a big difference for this for this team because for, for so you know for the last few years it's basically been Pogba or bust, hasn't it? You know, if a team closed down Pogba, United essentially had almost nothing in a creative mm. attacking sense whereas now we've got different angles to to attack from we we can we're attacking more effectively from the fullback areas as well um and Bruno's actually reveling in that because he's he's 
doesn't always have the um, attention from from the opposition that he would otherwise have if he were the only um, the only worthwhile um, attacking and creative player that we had. Twenty two goals and we haven't even hit March yet. Mm. If he stays fit, he's hitting thirty goals for the season. Ridiculous, ridiculous numbers, you know. And despite yeah. the confusion on on the sidelines for the second goal, United go 2-0 up not the one before the hour mark and the game came pretty easy from there didn't it you know Rashford needed a goal again in the game like today so a game like Thursday night just because you could see him trying so hard you know you it, it's a game like that where you're willing him to score because even though this kid's got 18 goals there are still moments when you just see him making incorrect decisions or snatching at shots or not necessarily making the right moves that you know he can do because we've seen him for several years now and he's been in good form for the last season and a half to the point where he's playing his best ever football for United you know you can get more out of him but it doesn't always come together in a way that you'd hope for someone of his obvious quality he's not an instinctive finisher is he you know if you put him if you put him through on goal from the halfway line he's absolutely deadly you know if you one-on-one with a keeper he's deadly but if you if you if you give him a chance you know eight yards from goal and he's got time to think about the ball coming across he he's not the most deadly of forwards um which i think is is part of the reason why he's not likely to ever be a a center forward but you know i think we're nitpicking because united were so good and created so much that it didn't really matter and then dan james finishes it off but not before not before amadiallo makes his long awaited i mean we've been waiting for this for days and days and days he's long awaited yeah. united debut oh absolutely yeah I think it's nice to see him in there. A couple of nice touches. You know, you can clearly see his pace and his quality on the ball when he gets it. And I'd imagine that, not obviously on the same level as Dan James, but in the same way that once a game gets stretched or when United are enjoying lots of opportunities to attack quickly, you can see a player like him being really key to getting us a couple of goals, right? Yeah, you can. There was one moment that bothered me a little bit. It was when he he had the the ball on the left-hand side of the of the uh, Sociedad penalty area and I think he tried to dribble and he just kind of lost the ball very easily to the defender and then just sort of stood there with his hands on his hips as Sociedad brought it out and I think the one thing he's got to do is clearly you know just from seeing him in the under 23s and also saw him a couple of times making sub appearances for Atalanta he's clearly incredibly technically gifted he's got so many qualities but he's going to have to if he wants to to break into this team, he's going to have to put in the work rate as well and learn the work work rate. And I'm sure Ollie will have said to him afterwards, "Look, mate, if you lose the ball there, you go and get it. You don't just stand there and look at it." <laughs> you know, but that, that, he's 18. He's you know he's had so little first team football. He's you know he needs to learn this stuff, doesn't he? And that's that's how he's hmm. going to learn. By, I mean, I, I was a little disappointed he didn't come on until as late as he did because he you know he barely got a touch in the few minutes that he that he had. But perhaps. Perhaps he'll start or get a good chunk of chunk of the game in the in the return, and 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 I think that will do him good. Well, uh, Solskjaer said tonight, um, just reading this from Carl Anker of the Athletic, saying that neither Shoretire or Ahmad are actually going to start a game in the near future. Which I th- I understand to a certain extent. I think the only thing I would say about that is that. United's game against Chelsea next weekend is arguably going to be a harder task than the game we have in midweek. So to take this opportunity to perhaps give them a... Maybe Ahmad a start would be perfect just because he's not necessarily going to get an opportunity of a free hit like this again. 
I'm not suggesting you just put all the kids out because you don't want them to get absolutely mullered and potentially lose 4-5-0 at home. But at the same time, there's certainly an opportunity if United could play this game correctly, they could bed in a youngster or two and give them some game time, you know, depending on how the first half goes, I guess. I guess he's trying to keep them hungry, isn't he? He's trying to keep them hungry and he's he, he's he's trying to not put too much pressure on them too soon because I'm sure he, sure he knows what the, um, you know, the clamour is to see um, Ammo particularly, but... You know the word. Well, we're on bored. Sh- we're bored. We yeah. just need something <laughs> interesting. But the word, you know, the, the word on short on Shuratira is getting out, isn't it? For those who 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 haven't watched much of the um, the academy games, um, yeah. And and people, you know, how people clamour for a, for a, a young player, don't don't they? It's natural. We all want to see the next big thing. Um, but I think it's probably wise of Ollie to limit their exposure too much to that, um, particularly at a time when. We need to maintain some momentum again. I mean, looking at the teams that are still in the competition at the minute, the ones that I wouldn't like to face at the minute. I mean, the, the teams that I wouldn't mind facing outnumber the teams that I do not want to face, put it that way. So mm. I do think that it, it was a, certainly a tricky uh, assignment when we initially drawn in there, but the teams you wouldn't necessarily want to play. I mean, Spurs in the last 16 or the quarterfinals would just be filth. No part of me wants that tie whatsoever. Benfica, perhaps? I mean, AC Milan, yeah, they got beat by Inter 3-0 today, but I wouldn't necessarily love to go over to Italy at the minute. Rangers, no, not necessarily, just because it's Steven Gerrard, and in terms of passion merchant, I think that would be a particularly worrying occasion. Ajax, who also came out of the Champions League group stages, I mean, again, I wouldn't be chomping at the bit to play a a tie against them, put it that way. I think the only non-English team that's left in the competition that's that's better than Sociedad is probably Milan and even they're in a bit of a difficult moment at the moment but I, I prefer to avoid a um, Ibra um, spearheaded Milan um, aside from that you want to avoid the English teams don't you because you know you know that's just that's, playing too often <clears throat> yeah it's not playing too often it's boring but also it's you know that will be tricky but there are loads and loads of teams left in it that I think would be very kind draws for United well it, it all depends on whether or not we have Istanbul Basaksa here syndrome doesn't it if yeah. we approach games like we did that game oh, in yeah. Turkey, then we're in trouble. But if we actually approach it in the correct manner, then I'm sure we'll be fine. You know, it just it's difficult to know mentally sometimes which United will turn up. And uh, speaking of which, I guess we'll talk about the Newcastle game in just a moment. But before that, let's take a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. Right, just before we get on to tonight's game against Newcastle, a quick word on Manchester United women who are in the middle of an international break but look to have fallen out of the Women's Super League title race once and for all after a particularly disappointing 3-0 defeat to Manchester City last weekend. Uh, United currently sits six points behind Chelsea. Uh, having played the same amount of games for the first time this season, uh, but 23 goals behind in terms of goal difference, just for added context. And at this stage, it's difficult to see us getting back in there, considering that Chelsea have been so incredibly consistent. Uh, that was a really tough game to watch. United struggled. They, I mean, it's been their Achilles heel, especially over the since the turn of the year at the start of January, that United have just been terrible, terrible in terms of their defending. Uh, the Turners, Amy and Millie, have really struggled. We've consistently struggled to clear our lines from set pieces and we've seen an incredible amount of goals conceded just purely because we haven't cleared the ball well or we haven't uh, gotten 
are defending or are marking correctly and it's been really disappointing to see just especially because the season had so much promise up to the end of December and it feels like that's fallen away a little bit there's still the chance of Champions League football now Arsenal are nine points behind us with two games in hand so if United it's completely in our hands to make sure that we finish with European football end of the season there's still the FA Cup to come later on in the year so it's not like the season's going to peter out with nothing but I guess, you know, with a couple of injuries to the likes of Alessio Russo, Tobin Heath, Lauren James has been in and out the side. And the fact that we've really struggled to find a... a cons- well, it, we haven't struggled when it comes to picking our defenders. It's just that Amy Turner and Millie Turner just aren't good enough as a duo. It very much reminds me of Maguire and Lindelof in that their deficiencies don't measure up to each other. So I do wonder if Casey Stone is going to have to dip into the transfer window during the summer and make another decision because United cannot hope to challenge for the league title if they continue to pick those two or they've got to do a serious amount of work on the training ground because it's just not been up to snuff. But there we go. We'll return back to uh, women's duty shortly. But before that, uh, we have got this evening's game against Newcastle to discuss, Rich. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting when listening to the commentary this evening was um, talking in particular about Darren Fletcher, who was very critical of the way United started and glowing in terms of Newcastle. But Jermaine Genius, despite his very clear anti-United bias, which is fine, sometimes I've got an anti-United bias, (laughs) he was talking about the fact that when you've been playing three days ago in Europe and obviously the travel, etc., you just take a little while to get into the game and United just about got away with it over the course of that 90 minutes because it was a very slow stodgy and really sloppy start from United tonight wasn't it yeah I mean I think there are a number of things that that contributed to that um losing McTominay is a problem for the midfield um in that we've got we, we were left with with two players in Matic and Fred neither of whom is capable of providing the the, the impetus and the creativity from those those two positions that or, or even the goal threat from those two positions that we that any other combination has um, and and that that became a problem it became a problem in terms of the speed with which we move the ball and, and and the competency with which we we transition the ball as well and we as we as we've already said we put Lindelof back in that back four and then putting De Gea back in goal. Is, is an enormous impediment to the team because I think the biggest issue, the issue that it causes is that the, the, the defensive line is it has to be deeper because there's no recovery pace there and because De Gea just ain't coming out to cover behind the centre-backs and that just leads to teams having a lot more space in front of the back four United's midfield being being more stretched and, and more disjointed and we've just got we had a guy up front in anti-Martial who's just in really really rotten form um, at the moment, and so we ended up with the spine of the team that was was anything but spine like. I think that that ultimately cost us in in terms of Newcastle's goal as well. I mean, it was it was ostensibly a poor header from Maguire, but I think that the, the whole team in that in that situation suffers from a lack of confidence in in its goalkeeper and and certain individuals, and so nothing is organised. Nothing people try and players try and compensate, and there's. There's clearly a coaching issue there in in terms of the back, the defence at certain situations as well. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier on, I do feel like you can just about on occasion get away with De Gea not being a particularly commanding keeper when it comes to a six-yard area or not coming for crosses, etc. If you've got someone like Eric Bailly, who is actually very good at clearing the ball in those sort of circumstances. In Maguire and Lindelof, you don't have that consistently. 
And then when you've got De Gea, who also has <laughs> got his own limitations, you've just got too many problems and too many gaps to plug. Mm. And in particular, that, that goal, it's a perfect example of what happens when you have a combination of players, in this case, those three, who their limitations and their complete lack of trust in each other in terms of where the ball's going to be, it just creates friction and it creates mm. distrust and it creates uncertainty in where they're going to move the ball. And, you know, Harry Maguire is not a rubbish defender by any stretch of the imagination. He looks better with Eric Bailly by him because Eric Bailly is a better defender than Lindelof. I'm not suggesting that just if Bailly is playing and Lindelof isn't, that that exact goal doesn't happen. But it's going to happen a lot less because Maguire clearly has more trust in Bailly in his positioning and his ability to get rid of the ball when he has to. And, you know, I guess, you know, we, we skipped ahead from Marcus Rashford's goal, which is a lovely bit of work. But that goal in particular, I mean, it, it, it's indicative of everything that we've seen from that trio that and i think it's something it's a nettle that essentially Solskjaer has to grasp at some stage because Mm. it's undermining a lot of good stuff for united at the minute and you know however much we want to talk about the disappointment of us falling out of the title race the fact that we've dropped so many points over the last month that we probably shouldn't have done you know due to defensive problems or you know not necessarily being as great as we would have wanted in terms of our overall play there's loads of good stuff to talk about that's still a significant problem for us and i think a center back has actually turned into a bigger priority than perhaps we would have wanted it to at the start of this season purely because that trio turns into such an issue for us and obviously if henderson's going to have games like he did in midweek where he's barely trouble but when he is called upon you see him being more vocal. You see him commanding his area a bit more and doing well with corners. It's going to continue to be an issue that Solskjaer has to essentially make a decision on one way or another. And, you know, every game that goes by with a problem like that, the problem just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. One of the reasons why a, a kind of sweeper keeper is so is so popular now is it's because it allows the whole team to move up, up the pitch. And United are hindered by De Gea both defensively and offensively because he's not confident enough to come out and allow us to move up the pitch. He's not good enough with his feet to distribute effectively or, or reliably. He's not a an aggressive enough goalkeeper to deal with defensive situations where there are a lot of a lot of players players in the box. And it, it's just an enormous problem for us. And you're right that Henderson didn't have an enormous amount to do in Sociedad, but but he also was far more positive goalkeeper. He, he he was coming out further. He was distributing the ball better. And I don't know whether Henderson is the ultimate answer to our goalkeeping problems or not. But I'm I'm fairly sure that he couldn't be a great deal more disabling than De Gea is and has been for quite some time. And that you know again that's something United really really need to address because it's all like like you say it's that that kind of centre backs goalkeeper triumvirate has almost become United's biggest biggest problem now and I don't know how it gets addressed because it doesn't matter how often it costs us Ollie isn't willing to to take the decisions to give Henderson a run and choose Baye over Lindelof in games when kind of in those those first choice games those first team games the ones that matter more it's 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 a massive problem for the team and just watching again tonight, watching United try to play out from the back through the press. Lindelof is only in the team, I'm sure. He's only in the team because because Oli perceives him to be better at playing out through the press than Bailly is. But we're still awful at it. 
absolutely awful. <laughs> so, so what gives him? What 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 is Oli thinking? That yeah, that I need to pick those two guys, that goalie and that centre back, because they're doing so well at the things I want them to do. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that you've seen with Bailly, he doesn't tend to play two games in a row, and he has he's had what two or three injury breaks already this season. So my flip it though, it's clear. I know it's clear that Solskjaer still is unclear about Bailly, and he will necessarily, you know, he will choose Lindelof because we've seen it several times where he could pick Bailly instead of Lindelof, but he won't. And my one thought could be that potentially he's just making sure to try and save him a little bit more and not push him too hard because, you know, we don't know what sort of state his body's in. We only can see what we've seen over the last several years, which is that he struggles to stay fit consistently. But flip it. So maybe there's something to be... Play Lidloff in the Cups. Play Lidloff in the Cups and buy in the league, you know, in the the games that matter more. It's... Hey man, I'm not saying I agree with it. No, I'm just no. trying to get into the head of our Norwegian manager. Yeah, he doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to play two games in a row, really. Mm. But flip them round. Play the play the guy who's actually defending better than the one who isn't. I mean, that that's what I'd hope to see. But anyway, I mean, we're we're digressing to a certain extent yeah. because it was actually a pretty good goal prior to Alanson Maxima. Now, to be fair, Maguire's had a terrible. The shot itself, pretty damn good. Um, Marcus Rashford. Individual brilliance FC again because that's often what gets us through in these sort of instances, doesn't it? Just in the game against West Brom, we needed a goal and we got it. Uh, Rashford, I don't think United had really had a decent chance or a really good piece of play in the lead up to that goal. But when you've got players of his quality, sometimes that doesn't matter. And in instances like this, and I mentioned it at the end of the game tonight, there is an element to me where if United can get by an individual brilliance for the next month or so during this period where they're clearly struggling for fitness, where they do have a couple of injuries that are hampering their ability to rotate and when we're really struggling in terms of confidence in our back line, having moments of magic like that make games watchable, right? And mm. Darlow might look at that and think he should have done better, but I'm going to give Rashford the benefit of the doubt there. I think the fact that he shot it so quickly and so strongly has caused Darlow massive issues, which is why he's gotten a hold of it, but not be able to stop it from going in. Yeah, Rashford, Rashford's very, very good at that. That It's almost a, a fake shot, isn't it? You know, most most players, you'd expect them to go diagonally across the keeper into the far corner because you've got a clearer sight of that and, and you naturally want to try and bend it round, whereas Rashford's very, very good at really cutting it back to the keeper's right inside that near post and it, it, it it's caught out keep you know keepers quite a lot I mean he did he, he's done it a few times in fact Martial scored a very similar goal in the 3-2 under Mourinho as well where he I think it's the equaliser where he went for that 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 near post rather than going across the keeper into the far post and I think it is something that that, that it's difficult for goalkeepers particularly when it's a very low shot um, because their their natural instinct will be to to cover the meat of the goal or the uh, across their bodies, um, and so it, it it requires a lot of readjustment. And so I'm, I'm more inclined to kind of blame the defenders for not closing Rashford down than than Darlow for not making the save. I think going in from that one all, I wasn't necessarily hugely surprised. It was just a, a game that United needed to get something out of. You know, I'd watched City play Arsenal and. It was a frustrating game, not in the sense that, I mean, number one, Arsenal really left it too late to really try and had <laughs> barely an opportunity to speak of, you know, over the course of that game. And that obviously brought with it another example of a team and a game where United probably should have done more and done better and probably should have won. 
you know, when we went to the Emirates a couple of weeks ago, we were pretty turgid. We didn't try anywhere near as much as we perhaps should have done. But anyway, I think the thing was, City were pretty, after a really strong 20 minutes where they looked pretty irresistible, really quite dull and average and boring. Mm. And they were still able to command that game with incredible ease. They really looked under pressure. They rarely allowed themselves to be drawn into situations where they would be left uh, undone at the back. And the way in which they commanded that game at 1-0, and you never really felt like they were in, ever in real danger of conceding an equaliser against... All right, it's Arsenal. It's one-day Arsenal. But a 1-0 lead in this league is no guarantee of comfort whatsoever, or at least it shouldn't no. be. And I've never seen a game as comfortable as that for City to just ride out and dominate. It was incredibly annoying and i think in these sort of instances when you have teams that are you know we're we're separated by 10 points when united are struggling for that sort of fluency you know we clearly don't have the riches that city do in terms of our squad depth but when you're in these sort of moments where you're struggling for fitness you've got players like martial who are in terrible form you're missing a couple of key players and you haven't necessarily been able to rotate as much as you would have liked just getting the result and just winning by whatever means necessary is going to have to do at the moment, really, isn't it? Because it's clear yeah. that United aren't quite where they want to be or ideally in a way that's going to stop City from just waltzing away with the Premier League title this season. So having said that, the way that we got through that second half was comforting, not necessarily encouraging, I think I'll go with. Yeah, one of the biggest advantages that City has over us and everybody else is just that they, they've got their back five is absolutely excellent. You know, and that's that, that's probably the reason. You know, that's the difference. That's the reason why they can they can have an off day, just score one goal, and and not have to worry too much about about conceding and, and losing control of the game. United obviously don't have that, so we're reliant on 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 scoring multiple goals in every match. It reminded me that game reminded me an awful lot of the seventeen uh, eighteen season. So Mourinho's second season when United finished second in the league, despite playing appallingly almost every week and 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 somehow <laughs> and somehow getting the win and, and maybe maybe there's some sort of coincidence there with the presence of Matic I don't know but that's how it was wasn't it you know De Gea had an incredible season that season but United were just terrible disjointed and terrible but just won games through having some really good forwards that's really the difference in in this match tonight was the, the quality of the forwards you know, sometimes that will just have that will have to do that will have to do you have to you have to rely on those individuals you know the Sociedad game on Thursday night was it was about individuals but it was an absolutely exceptional team performance this was a really really average team performance but the individuals got the got the job done um, and I think given the way the game looked until United got that second goal through Dan James I think we should probably be grateful that we managed to do that at all yeah <laughs> you're not wrong i mean the way in which that second goal went in i'm sure c bruce will be pulling his hair out to a certain extent because it was just too easy wasn't it mm. you know it's a the man should not be allowed to dance into any penalty area mm. let alone the opposition one so the way that he was able to get that pass across goal basically across the penalty area i mean it was a great little touch by bruno fernandez to just tap it into dan james's path and Lewis, who had basically had Dan James on toast, you know, for most of the evening or basically blocked his path. And you saw Dan James's limitations when it comes to trying to find a little bit of space or shimmy or getting across. It just wasn't there at times. 
But he's on the pitch for moments like that, right? You know, mm. we spoke about this earlier on. He is very good when it comes to one-on-one finishing in those sort of instances. So if you can get him the ball in those sort of areas, then more often than not, he's going to do good things. And again, Darlo might look at it and think, I got beaten on the near post, but it was another good shot by Dan James. And after that, it was a pretty easy evening, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it's such a curious team that we just won away in Spain. The, our first win in Spain in 10... Or, or we've won against the Spanish team, I beg your pardon. Our first win against the Spanish team in 10 games with an absolutely exceptional performance. And yet, it took United to score the second goal against the run of play to actually look confident and to, and to play with any confidence. Um, and, and I'm sure part of that was, was Newcastle just tiring as well because they put an awful lot of energy into into pressing and, 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 and really getting at United in that sort of first hour also and once United got that second goal it kind of clearly deflated them and their confidence is incredibly brittle they've I think haven't they got like two wins in 10 or 11 games I think in the Premier League um and that they're in free form that yeah I think it just took that moment from James to to really rattle their confidence and, and kind of break it um and after that it didn't really feel like anything else was going to happen but United score another goal or two yeah I mean I I think in particular the way in which Newcastle responded to the setback of going behind to that first goal from Rashford and you could see that they were they were certainly trying to well they weren't necessarily trying their luck they were just exposing a weakness of United's in terms of chucking plenty of crosses in and dominating from set pieces right Mm. And then when they got that equaliser, it was coming. You know, United, there would have been a, a deep cross in that came in that De Gea essentially just stood underneath and refused to go anywhere near until it was pretty close to his area. And I think he was tipping over, I think it might have been a Joel Linton shot uh, in the first half that got a deflection off Lindelof. And that was purely because he didn't come out and deal with it any sooner. And the way in which they buckled after the second goal was reminiscent, more, much more reminiscent of a team that realises that they are playing against a side with great forwards, looking scared about conceding further. So it was good to see at least United were able to close out the game from that and had very little to worry about afterwards. Because in other circumstances, you could have seen a scenario where United sit back, wait for that third goal and try and hit on the counter-attack and try and remain steady. And we've been terrible at that over the last couple of months. Or it's at least made for a very squeaky evening's work, put it that way at the very least. So the fact that we were able to close out that game without too much of a problem and then Rashford gets tackled in the penalty area and Bruno Fernandes scores the first penalty that we've had in three league games. 3-1, job done. And my God, I hope we have a couple of players rested in midweek before we play Chelsea next weekend. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Matt is back. We, we, we still don't really know why he was away. I think it was suggested by the club that it's some sort of personal issue. So we hope all is well with fa- mm. with Family One. But he's another body. He's a body that will be useful on Thursday night if he's if he's fit enough that we can start with. Um, I'd be inclined to give Dan James another game. I mean, one thing I was going to say about James tonight, I, I think it was um, Jamie Jackson said um, on Twitter that, that James now has six goals in the last 12 games. Um, now, admittedly, that's probably spread over a very significant period of time, but I think he's showing that he's a player that has has a use as a squad as a squad player, and I think he's benefiting from 
not having the pressure on him that he had, you know, when he first joined and suddenly got chucked into the first team. And I think we have got, I don't know how long McTominay is due to be out for. I don't know if you've seen anything on that or not. Not a sausage. It may well be that we're going to have to flog that, that midfield pairing um, for some time, but but you can definitely see Ollie making as many changes as he possibly can. Um, he might, might even give Maguire a rest, God forbid, on Thursday and, and try and keep everybody as fresh as possible for the weekend against Chelsea. But, Oli keeps surprising me with the strength of teams he puts out in games where I expect him to play very significantly weakened teams. So we may yet see Rashford and Bruno and and the full the full cast of um, of superheroes um, on on Thursday uh, on Thursday. As long as United get through that, I don't really mind too much. I mean, it's a four goal cushion. If if we screw that up, then good God, we deserve to go out. Yeah. And then obviously, you know. <sighs> The Chelsea game's an interesting one purely because I'm still not sure. I mean, it, it's clear that Tuchel's come in and improved on what Lampard was doing, right? And he's mm. been able to... I mean, he got Timo Werner scoring a goal, which is a good start. It is. You know, anything beyond that is a bonus as far as I'm concerned because he was really struggling this season. But in terms of the actual quality of Chelsea's play, they have essentially not been revolutionary in a lot of their attacking play i watched a lot of that game against southampton earlier on this weekend and they would be kept very very quiet by a team sat very deep and if united are able to pick them off on the break there could be some <clears throat> there could be some joy for us at stamford bridge and i think in particular when it comes to our approach to that game united have got to go out and win it you know we, we've seen so many times this season the games against the you know the nominal top six or the quote-unquote bigger teams in the premier league Apart from maybe that game at uh, the KC Stadium, where United, you know, conceded two avoidable goals and drew 2-2 with Leicester, I think against the bigger teams, United have been a bit cowardly. I don't think we've seen a really great performance in those instances since the 6-1 against Spurs. And I think we've got to stop going into those games with such a, a defensive approach. You know, I appreciate what Solskjaer's trying to do, and I understand it. But I also think that that's a, a trend we need to kind of try and buckle and especially if we're going to be going into that game against City if, if we're going to the Etihad thinking right let's just try and keep it tight and not concede a load of goals and play defensively against a team that good we're going to get ripped to absolute shreds mm. I, I guess the only thing I can say is that about next weekend is is that Chelsea have got a, ma- a match that really matters this week and they have to concentrate a on. much more difficult match than we do yeah, <clears throat> much more... Atletico Madrid. yeah I'm just looking I'm just actually looking now again with pros here it's on the Tuesday so I mean they will have they will have a decent amount of um, amount of time to recover these games are so difficult to to call just simply because all of the teams aside who aren't City are showing signs of of, of tiredness and, and are dropping points all over the place um, the one the one good thing going into these next two really tough away games is that we've 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 got a little gap now to to fourth and we you know we can afford to draw you know ultimately if we drew those two games it wouldn't be the end of the world they're probably the two most difficult games we've got left this season but Chelsea are still as you say they're patchy they're not they're not attacking as fluently as they might be given the wealth of attacking talent they've got there the game could go either way couldn't it just simply because neither side is playing super well um, and United are quite suited to playing away from home. Um, you know, whatever whatever they do, both of the Chelsea wingbacks will be pushing very, very high up the pitch, and 
there will be space for United to to counter on. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, as be... long as we attack a little bit more than we did at Anfield, fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not super confident that we will. I think <laughs> I think you're right that that, that Oli has been very cautious in these games overly cautious in these games this season I think given the fixtures we've got left we've got far more games against teams in the top half of the table than we have against teams in the bottom half um, and a lot of those well, games well that might actually away. help us considering how bad we've been against teams at the bottom of the league well it might it might but a lot of them are away as well which again could help us um, but we're going to have to pick up some wins from you know difficult away games you know even even you know we've got we've got wolves away and leeds away you know matches that they're not the best of teams this season but but they're tricky matches for united away from home so we're going to have to find a way to be more proactive and score more goals against against the better sides because we just haven't scored enough goals against them this season well let's yeah? see how we get on next weekend shall we prediction Ooh, one apiece I guess that wouldn't be the worst result in the world, but it would be nice to go into one of these bigger games and win, wouldn't it? It's been we've, a well, we've, got, we've got a decent record at Stamford Bridge recently, haven't we? Although we I think have, a, yeah. this is no longer Lampard's um, Chelsea, and so it's no longer three points against them. Um, but yeah, this is we, very we, true. You know, we haven't got that. I, I can remember Chelsea, Chelsea United's bogey team for most of my youth and and a large part of my adulthood as well away from home but you know we have we have got reason to to feel that we can go there and, and win right we'll leave it there for this evening then rich pleasure as always absolutely and everyone thank you very much for listening this week and indeed every other week don't forget you can get us over twitter should you wish to speak to us you can get rich at rich red voices me at you and like this and the pod at red voices musc you can find our blog at redvoices.net and the podcast itself can be found on itunes spotify stitcher soundcloud basically any good app that has podcasts we'll be back with you uh after chelsea next week and when i say after chelsea next week that will actually happen it's not going to be like west brom in theory we'll see who knows take care (laughs) bye-bye